I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. South Sports and Stuff podcast, episode number 19. Thank you very much for listening, downloading, subscribing. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I keep telling you. Please do that. You will not miss an episode, and I've been pumping them out lately. Thanks for all the great feedback on the Michael Pekka episode number 18, the last one I did. Great, great stuff from Mike Pekka. Really enjoyed my chat with the former Sabres captain. He went through, in case you didn't know, every single we did together, and he gave insight on every single playoff series in the late 90s leading up to the Cup. They had two series in 97, they had three in 98, and then obviously got to the Cup in 99, four total series. Insight into all of those. It was great. To talk with him about that, his career, he was traded to Buffalo for Alexander Mogilny. Uh, he talked about missing his season in 2000-2001 due to a contract dispute. Uh, a lot that really went on there. So that was really good chatting with him and talking with him and getting that insight. But now we're going to turn the page, get back to football a little bit, because I have a really cool treat for you today. And that is my special guest, NFL VP of Broadcast Planning and Scheduling. I think you just say VP of Broadcasting. but that's his official title, I think. VP of Broadcast Planning and Scheduling, Mike North, on the South Sports and Stuff podcast to talk about not only how the schedule is made, which is really fascinating, all the things and different parts that go into it, but dispelling or at least clarifying some of the myths and rumors about how much control the TV networks have, how much control or whatever you know requests that the teams make and how much that goes into it. And I think most really important to all of you listening out there, many of you, I should say, listening out there, how much we're going to see the Buffalo Bills in primetime or in national TV this year. Yes, I asked him, and after talking with him, as you're going to hear in a minute, I am now about to really up my over-under on that number. You'll hear what I mean, and a lot more from Mike North, including how are they going to determine the 17th game in a couple of years? couple of interesting ideas that he is he's going to tell us and tell you on the podcast here in a minute that the league is floating around and what they're going to do. So I'll waste no more time. I already wasted two minutes of your time getting to Mike North. It's really cool. I enjoyed talking with him. And here he is now on the Sales Sports and Stuff podcast. Mike, thanks a lot for joining me. I really appreciate it here on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. I've wanted to chat with you for a while, but um, I think now that you know the Bills are getting a little bit better, there's a lot of questions from fans about how much they're going to see them on national TV, prime time. So I thought that uh, now would be a good time to have you on. I really appreciate you doing this today. 
Happy to do it. So, all right, let's start with a little uh, macro, and then we'll get into the micro stuff. Let's just talk about the schedule and you know how it's made, basically the process of it, and you know how many people you have working in your department. Uh, when do you start everything? Is it immediately when opponents are determined prior uh, after the prior season? Yeah, we start literally the day after the regular season ends. That's the final couple of pieces to the puzzle, at least in terms of the matchups. You know, fourteen of the sixteen games. Until we expand the season, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, 14 of the 16 games are set by rotation. So you know those going out for the next 12, 24, 36 years, whatever. Uh, there's only two games in a schedule that are determined by the standing. So once last regular season ends, we now know all 256 matchups. And, yeah, the scheduling team uh, led by Howard Katz out of the broadcasting department in New York starts tinkering really that that very next day you know january 2nd we get the paperwork out to the teams and january 3rd we start looking at all right here's the 256 matchups you know these top 15 or 20 jump off the page they're must see tv everybody knows that we've got to make sure we're smart about these and then the next you know 40 to 140 are all kind of your guess is as good as mine you know which teams are going to be good which teams are going to get keep getting better which Stars are going to emerge. How is the draft going to affect this in terms of who's going to be playing quarterback for certain teams? This offseason, obviously, given Brady and others, you know, a, a quarterback carousel that I really don't remember happening like this in recent years. So all that has to transpire throughout January, February, March. And all the while, the scheduling team has continued to tinker with, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Should we put this game on Sunday night? Should we put this game on Monday night? And you got to balance all the television needs obviously with all the team needs, you know, every team in the league has the same approach to scheduling. Everybody wants to open at home. Everybody wants to close at home. Everybody wants a mid season buy. everybody wants to be on prime time, but only if it's at home, <laughs> certainly don't want to play any road games on a Monday in prime long trips. Nobody wants to go to Florida in September when it's, you know, a hundred degrees. Nobody wants to come to Buffalo in December or January when it's negative three. So, Balancing all of those needs, stadium blocks, travel considerations, international games, you know, all the competitive fairness, competitive equity side of the house with also obviously the revenue side of the house and maximizing viewership, not just, you know, how do we maximize viewers and ratings, but also how do we ensure that those big games are in national windows where as many fans as possible can see them and trying to predict which those which of those games are going to be the must see TV games. You know, we're making a schedule in March, so season doesn't even start nine months, mm-hmm. six months later. You know, guessing which of these matchups are going to be must-see TV six or seven months from now is its own, you know, exercise a little bit in futility. So you sort of work with the network partners. We all pick the games that we all agree are going to be slam dunks. And then you kind of roll the dice on a few and say, it would be great if this turns into something or this sounds like it could be fun. Let's put it in a window where hopefully it turns out to be as good as we thought. And everybody wants to see it gets to. Do you have, is it like a tournament? You start with a hundred thousand schedules and then there's 50,000 and then 25,000. Then you ultimately get down to one. How does that, you know, work? that's one, that's one way to do it. We've, we've talked to a lot of really smart people, uh, including some of the math and operations people over at the university at Buffalo. They've been helping us with some mm-hmm. of the math and science behind the project. One way to do this is like you said, here's a pool of a whole bunch of good schedules and let's start winnowing down and pick the winner. Or the way we do it, at least for now is, Let's try to find one good one every day, and then let's iterate on it. 
Because you never know when you're sitting there with a blank piece of paper what might the finished schedule look like. And you might be willing to say to yourself, oh, I'd play this, I'd play that. But then you see it on a piece of paper, you see it in a team's 16-week schedule, and you realize, ah, you know what, we really shouldn't do that to this team. So let's stop all the computers and let's write a new rule. There's no way that the... Uh, you know, New York Giants should have to go at Seattle, followed by a home game, followed by at the L.A. Rams, something like that. When you wouldn't have known that in January, but now that you see it, you think to yourself, hey, that's probably not our best schedule. So stop all the computers, write a new rule. Don't do this to Team X. Run it again. Come back tomorrow. All right, we've got a new schedule. It fixed that which was broken yesterday. What did it break today? Are we better or worse than where we were yesterday? Do we have to go back? Do we have to rethink all of our plans? I know we wanted this game for Sunday night football in week eight or week 10 or week 14, but maybe it just doesn't fit there. We should think about being willing to compromise on that. And if we're a little worse over here, but a lot better over there, this is probably a better schedule. Okay, where do we go from here? All right, so dispel a couple of myths for me or at least give me some clarity on how much input how much input the TV networks have in the teams. Let's start with the, the uh, TV networks. Like, do they have some sort of first right of refusal where you have to say, we got to do this. How does all that work? Nobody's, nobody's got any right of first refusal. Nobody's got any rights to squat on any game or, or anything. You know, you think about a season like this one where you've got a game that we don't have very often. Um, Here, how about Steelers Cowboys, Mm -hmm. right? Once every four years, the Steelers and the Cowboys play each other. And once every eight years, that game is the Steelers on the road. So it's a quote-unquote CBS game that belongs to the AFC package because for now, at least, our television packages are determined by the road teams. So a game like Pittsburgh at Dallas, you know CBS says we have to have this game. It's extremely important to us. We only get it once every eight years. You know NBC says Pittsburgh-Dallas, that's two of your biggest brands. That sounds like a Sunday night football game. You know ESPN says, hey, Steelers-Cowboys, would be a fantastic Monday night football game. You know, Thursday night football says, hey, you want to make Thursday night football into, you know, a destination viewing spot for NFL fans. Put big games on Thursday night. Put Pittsburgh-Dallas there. You know, NFL Network would say, hey, we've got some Thursday night games. We've got some late-season Saturday games. We're we're us. Come on, give us Pittsburgh-Dallas. So all the networks want that one game. They can't all have it. Only one guy gets it. Nobody gets a squad on it. Nobody has a right of first refusal, but we try to be sensitive to the fact that, okay, if we take Pittsburgh-Dallas away from CBS, who only gets a game like that, again, once every eight years, we sure as heck better feel good about what we're backfilling that game with, Pittsburgh appearances, Dallas appearances, stuff like that. So the answer to your question is nobody has any rights to claim anything off the top. The networks all come in with a request list and with some thoughts for us, and here's what's worked for us in recent years, and here's who we think is going to be good this year, and you know, we, here's our list. And every network comes in with a list, and as you can imagine, those lists look very similar from one to the other, but for the most part, our job is to go through those lists and make sure everybody gets something, nobody gets everything. All right. Now, how about the teams? Now, you can also piggyback this with stadium usage. There's only so many. There, there's only so much they can do as far as having the stadium available or not available. They can tell you, hey, on this particular date, we have Ed Sheeran. I, I think Ed Sheeran a couple of years ago was a big deal for you guys, right? Like he was in a bunch of different stadiums around the time of the NFL season starting. But also teams saying to you, hey, look, we've played the Patriots every year off their bye, or we haven't had a home opener to, in Week One in six years. How much does that happen? It absolutely happens, and they're absolutely right. 
I mean, we're not doing our jobs if the same team opens on the road seven years in a row or the same team has to play a division opponent coming off their bye multiple years in a row. Can we account for everything? Probably not. Are all teams going to hate their schedule? Probably. <laughs> but we've got to be able to look at it and say, this is fair. This is justifiable. This, this we can rationalize. You know, no, again, nobody gets everything they want, but hopefully nobody gets something when they look at it on release day and think to themselves, how could they do this to us? They must have just completely whiffed on this and missed it in its entirety. Those guys are asleep at the switch. I, I'd like to think, you know, any decisions that we made that the team is disappointed by, we knew they were going to be disappointed. And we made the decision that in the grand scheme of things, in the overall schedule, trying to satisfy many masters, you know, this was one thing that had to slip through the cracks and understand you're disappointed Tennessee or Buffalo or Jacksonville or Cincinnati or Miami or whatever. But, you know, hopefully the rest of your schedule isn't that bad and you still feel like this schedule gives you a chance to compete and it gives us a chance to deliver maximum value to our fans, to our partners. And like you said, to our stadiums, you know, they all want to book other events. We're only using the building 10 times a year. If you include the preseason, you know, it's a lot of days when that building is sitting empty I'm sure they want to put Ed Sheeran's concerts in there. I'm sure they want to put truck and tractor pulls. I'm sure they want to put Battle of the Bands. But the more stadium blocks any one team has in any given season, the more likely their schedule is going to be negatively impacted. And so when a team comes back to us on release day and says, wait a minute, how would I get a three-game road trip right here? That's not fair. And the answer is, well, two of those three weeks were stadium blocks. <laughs> Mathematically speaking, that's what's going to happen. You know, that's where we have to make some really tough decisions about what we are and are not willing to accommodate. All right. So there's no truth to a lot of Bills fans have this conspiracy theory that believe that the last few years that they've been given more December home games when it's tougher to maybe go to the games or sell out because the league is telling them in some sort of way that you need to get a new stadium. That's not true, right? Not only is that not true, but again, you got to think about this two sides of the house. You know, every team has two sides of the house. They have the revenue side of the house and they have the football side of the house. I understand that the revenue side of the house may be suggesting, hey, these home games in December, they're not ideal for our fans. You know, our fans want to come to all of our home games in September and October. The football side of the house might be looking at that schedule and thinking, yep. hey, look, I know we've got to host Miami this year. That's a warm weather team. The Chargers are a warm weather team. You know, Give me those home games. Coach might be saying, give me those home games in December. You know, you got to host Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl champions this year. You want them in October when it's 55 degrees, or you want them at home in December when it's a blizzard out. You know, the two sides of the house for all 32 teams have to kind of compete with each other and then come to the league with their asks and requests, and we kind of get into a rhythm with them in terms of what each team's looking for. And then the league, like we said, has to make the same decision. We've got to balance the revenue and the television partners and the ratings with the competitive equity and the fairness and the fan friendliness. Obviously, no schedule is going to be perfect. But for anybody to think that the Bills are getting home games in December because the league wants them to get a new stadium, that's a myth. <laughs> yeah. Head coach of the Bills is probably thinking, hey, give me home games in December. I like my team's chances if I get to play a dome team or a warm weather team. 
outdoors in the cold late in the season. Yeah, and look, I'm totally with you on that. I grew up in the Super Bowl years with this team and it was welcome. They wanted to have those games in December because it was such it was more than more mental maybe for teams to come to Buffalo. So there is a trade-off and I think this regime and organization would love to have those games at home meaning something to this fan base for sure. So I, I I'm with you on that. Yeah. Look, that's a part of it too, as you as you suggest, you know, when we make this list of top games every year and all the network partners come in with their lists you know, there were definitely some years in there where Buffalo Bills games maybe weren't heavily populating that list, you know? Mm-hmm. Now we've got a few playoff runs underneath our belt. We've got some exciting young players. We've got new ownership. You know, the Bills are suddenly starting to find themselves on these lists of interesting games. You know, like we said, you look at the Bills' schedule this year, that Kansas City-Buffalo game, that sounds like a football game, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds like it could be Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, you know, Sunday afternoon, CBS doubleheader. Could we get one of these games in a late season Saturday like we did last year? You know, the Bills went from, what, not having a whole lot of national television for a while there to last year being in two of the most interesting games of the year when you look at Thanksgiving in Dallas, which was the single highest viewed game of the season, and then that Buffalo-New England game on Saturday on NFL Network late in the year that was deciding the division. You know, now that we hope, these games in December in the AFC East are going to be deciding the division. Now you start looking at those games more for national television slots and those constraints do end up having an impact. So yeah, the bills are going to be on more national television, but they're also probably going to hate the fact that they caught a road game after a Monday night somewhere or a cross country trip or, or whatever it is. You know, those are the, those are the pain points as you start to become, you know, one of the pillars of the national television schedule. Last year, obviously not, nobody really knew the type of season they would have. The Bills had no primetime games scheduled. Now, Thanksgiving, of course, and some people could say that's a primetime game. That's fine. They were the only team in the league that didn't have a a night game on the schedule. They wound up playing actually three games in that huge national window. All, as you just said, were huge rating successes throughout the country, basically. How much does that factor in? You say, look, look how well the Bills resonated and, oh, look at this team. So I think we need to put them on primetime a couple times this year. Look, there's no question the league office is walking into this season thinking about national television for the Bills. The interesting thing is when our network partners came to us late January, early February, and now, you know, for the first time in a while, their schedules have Bills games on them. So it was one thing when the NFL would have to say to, you know, an ESPN or somebody, oh, we're going to put Buffalo on. And they're like, oh, why are you doing that? Now it's like, hey, we're putting Buffalo on, and they're like, great, can we get two? Wow. So, you know, that's what success brings. So I would expect this season to see the Buffalo Bills in multiple national windows. To your point, you know, last year when the schedule came out in April, while not scheduled for a primetime game, you can't be dismissive of the fact that they were scheduled for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. You know, there are years when the Detroit Lions don't have primetime games, but they always have that Thanksgiving game. And more often than not, you know, those Thanksgiving games are in the top three, top five of our most viewed games every season. Did we know when we put Bill's Cowboys on the schedule last year that it was going to be the single highest rated or most viewed, I should say, uh, game of the season? No, we certainly didn't know that. But having two teams with winning records and playing an exciting game and like you said, that was almost sort of the Bills coming out party, you know, to the nation. After that, we come back with a Sunday night game we flexed into against the Steelers, the Saturday game against the Patriots. I have every expectation when this year's schedule comes out, you're going to see the Bills all over the primetime schedule this year. I hope they're good again. 
Wow, yeah, just so do we for sure. Mike North, VP of Broadcast Planning and Scheduling, joining me here on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. Fascinating for a schedule geek like me, my colleague at WGR 550, Mike Shope. We are schedule geeks. What we actually do, I'm not kidding you, Mike, is uh, when the season ends, like that week, we start predicting who's going to be in the four primetime games on opening weekend the next year, just based on what happened. Yep. At this point in time, here we are in early April. Now we'll get to the schedule coming out, and I know it's a little bit delayed this year, so we'll talk about that. But at this point, how close are you to having something like that, knowing where you're going to open, who's going to be on that first weekend, Thursday, Sunday night, two Monday night games? I would tell you that if we knew the world was going to return to normal sometime in the next couple of months and we were 100% confident that our season's going to start on time and we're going to be playing football with full stadiums in August and September – I would tell you we're pretty much there. As you can imagine, there's going to be a prime time showcase window for the Super Bowl champions for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, We have new stadiums opening in Los Angeles and Las Vegas, and I have every expectation that those are going to get, you know, the full court press in terms Mm -hmm. of promotion and attention and national television windows. So like you, the day the season ended last year, we started tinkering with, all right, if these guys win the Super Bowl, what would be a good week one game? If those guys win the Super Bowl, what would be a good week one game? Should we not necessarily open the Super Bowl champs at home on Thursday night, like we did last season, where we committed to, you know, an initiative, a promotional opportunity. We played Green Bay Chicago to kick off the 100th season, and we put the Super Bowl champs on Sunday night. You know, do the Chiefs have to play on Thursday night of week one? They don't. They could play on Sunday night of week one, and maybe we could open the Vegas or the L.A. Stadium on Thursday night or Sunday night or Monday night. We've got two Monday night games, of course, in week one, so a couple of opportunities there. Um, I I would tell you that, you know, that was one of the things that we decided on relatively early in the process, and then you sort of have to get into the scheduling piece of this and find out, okay, if we go down this road, what does that schedule look like? Whereas if you go down this road, What does that schedule look like? And if those two schedules at the end of the day are comparable, great. Toss a coin, let the commissioner decide, somebody decide, you know, what you want to do week one. But if those two schedules are very different, and as I think you're alluding to, if you're thinking about the schedule, every decision you make has a ripple effect on all 255 other games. You know, think about it like a Rubik's Cube. If you want to move this piece on this side, you might have to move all the other pieces in the Rubik's Cube just to get that one piece to move. So if we decide to make a change in week one, the impact might not be felt until week 14. And it might be something that you never could have seen coming. And so you don't know until you actually go down the road, do a deep dive, let the computer search through the infinite space and come back and say, okay, here's a great schedule with the Patriots and Chiefs playing week one. And here's a great schedule with the Texans and the Chiefs playing in week one. And here's one with the Broncos and the Chiefs. And here's one with the Jets and the Chiefs. And you want to look under every rock and make sure that you're unearthing every possibility and landing on the best overall schedule. It's not just what's the best we could do for today or what's the best can we do for the Chiefs or the best we can do for NBC, but it's what's the best we could do for everybody. And the only way to do that is to go down many, many paths and search all these different nodes of the tree and really just keep looking and grinding and searching and hustling and hoping and praying that you're going to find something before the commissioner comes and, you know, tells us, hey, 
we got to put a schedule out. Let's go. <laughs> and obviously, uh, the reports came out yesterday that uh, the schedule this year will be a little bit delayed as usual, maybe a couple weeks later, May 9th at the latest. I actually think this could be an advantage for you as a schedule maker to know the draft, where Joe Burrow is going to go, where Tua may go. How much of that plays into it? And is the May 9th date, the, at least the no later than May 9th date, is that a product of what's going on nationally right now with COVID-19? Or is that something that would have happened anyway? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I, you you might have heard. I think it kind of got out in, in some press reports. We've been kicking around the idea of putting the schedule out in May for a little while. This okay. was probably something that was going to happen eventually anyway, and there's a couple of reasons. Number one, you hit right on the head. If something happens in the draft that the league should react to, love to have that flexibility, love to have that option. As a schedule maker, we're all searching for this mythical notion of the optimal schedule and we're all right now assuming, you know, for instance, uh, you know, Joe Burrow is going to go number one to the Bengals. How much does that change our schedule? I don't know. You know, is he going to start day one? And if he is, you know, you remember that Baker Mayfield kind of lightning in a bottle moment we had on an early Thursday night game a couple of years ago. And that sort of propelled the Browns back into the national consciousness right. a little bit. It, that guy wasn't supposed to be playing, right? He was supposed to be sitting on the bench for a year. Taylor was the quarterback. It was only because he got hurt and Baker came in and got the win and the Bud Light fridges and the whole thing happened. I'm not sure we would have made that decision if we'd have waited until after the draft to put the schedule out that year because we wouldn't have known if Baker was going to play. Do we know right now that Burrow is the day one starter? I don't think we do. And even if we did, what does that mean? Do you suddenly put the Bengals on national television three, four, five times? You know, the Bills have earned it with a couple of playoff runs here the last couple of years. Have the Bengals earned it because they've drafted number one? I'm, I'm not sure about that. So I think it's less about, you know, who's going to take Joe Burrow than it is about is there a move that happens in the league that does sort of shift things around? You know, what if there's a draft day trade and a big name, a big quarterback, you know, something happens, would love to be able to react to that. So and certainly putting the schedule out in May after the draft helps us react to something that happens, whether it's a kid getting picked or a trade or something else that happens, the later we put the schedule out, obviously the smarter we are in terms of where everybody's playing. But at some point, everybody needs the schedule, right? We can't put the schedule out in July. Right. There's flights and hotels and tickets and all kinds of logistics and operations. So trying to strike that balance between waiting as long as we can to take advantage of any changes, but also being respectful of the fact that, you know, everybody's waiting for this and, and they need to go. So, again, I think this was probably going to happen in the next year or two anyway. This year, given some of the uncertainty, look, it certainly helps the schedule makers. The longer we wait, the more likely we are to see where some of these big names land. Free agency continues to play out. We see what happens in the draft. But also just from a practical standpoint, you know, everybody's working from home right now. To ask people to come into the office to – you know, do the ticket pricing and to build social media videos in advance of schedule release, you know, those those probably aren't best uses of everybody's time. So just kind of hit the pause button, let everybody shelter in place for a couple of more weeks. Let's see what the world looks like, you know, in another month. And hopefully things, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to return to normalcy. And then if so, you can have the entire month of April, NFL-wise at least, focused on the draft and all these prospects and all these kids, and obviously this year's draft is going to look a little different than we're used to seeing, mm -hmm. but we're still going to get it done. The business of the league doesn't stop. And then after the draft, you can sort of have this week or two of anticipation and build up and excitement and be able to point to a very specific moment on the calendar. And it's sort of a spot in our off season where there really isn't a whole lot, right? You got some OTAs, but 
instead of cramming the schedule in the week before the draft, let the draft breathe a little bit in April and then come back in May and have maybe schedule release in month. I think that's probably where we were heading anyway. This just seemed like the right thing to do for this year. And because I am a schedule geek, I know preseason schedule usually comes out between now and April 10th. Is that also going to be delayed or is that about the same time frame? Yeah, that's a fair question. I mean, again, it, it might look a little uh, insensitive to put the thing out tomorrow right. while we're all still you know, facing such uncertainty. But on the other hand, you know, like we said, we're we're still hoping and, you know, quote unquote, expecting to, to play a full season this year. And, and that includes preseason games. And at some point, people need to know, OK, these are the dates that the NFL is planning on using for preseason games. Therefore, now stadium operators, as you're trying to rebook all these concerts and things that were being canceled in March and April, right. Here now you know available dates in August because the NFL has put their preseason schedule out. Baseball, basketball, Major League Soccer, all these guys that are living through this nightmare of, you know, losing games as we speak, you know, they're going to be looking for other places to play those games. You could certainly make an argument that if the NFL just comes out and says, look, nobody knows what the world's going to look like in August, but assuming we're playing, here's the dates we're using, feel free to start working around those dates and see if you can't, you know, backfill some of the things that we're losing from the sports calendar right now. So if I had to bet, you know, depending obviously on what the world looks like in the next couple of weeks, I think we'll try to get a preseason schedule out in April, same as always, and for this year at least regular season schedule out early May. All right, so let's talk about 17 games before we go. Uh, That's coming up on the horizon probably next year. We're looking at 2021, we'll say. Um, But is there a formula yet where the league has figured out or determined? Have you, as a schedule maker, even been in the discussions of how the 17th opponent will be determined? The scheduling team has certainly made some recommendations. There has been no official decision yet by the competition committee or the commissioner that has not been locked in stone yet. Um, but from the scheduling team side of things, there's two things that we're looking at. Number one and this goes to what we were talking about at the beginning, when we've got this list of 256 games and you look right at the top and you see the 15 or 20 must-see TV, you know, these are the big ones. Let's make sure we capitalize on them. As we go from 256 to 272 now, you can imagine the scheduling team is looking to create as many more of those must-see TV, big games, can't-miss kind of things. So I think the notion of as we add these 16 games, the likelihood that those games are going to be standings-based again as opposed to rotation-based is certainly on the part of the scheduling team. We'd love to create more of these ones versus ones, twos versus twos, you know. Love to create those playoff, uh, you know, playoff teams playing other playoff teams. And if if you are lucky enough, if it's going to be inter-conference, then maybe you stumble into another Super Bowl rematch. I think those Super Bowl rematches – the following year are always fun and always fresh in everybody's mind. So I think the scheduling team would be looking for more standing space games because then at least you feel like you're getting some of those playoff teams against each other, as opposed to just luck of the draw with the rotation. And then from a competitive side, you know, if we're adding 16 games, I think you have to add them. Now we're going to be, nine home and eight road for half the league and eight home and nine road for the other half of the league. I think you have to add the extra home game to an entire conference. I don't see how the bills and the Texans can be competing for a wild card spot. If the bills had nine home and the Texans only had eight. So right. I think we're probably going to have to add these extra 16 games 
as an entire conference adding the extra home game, which means you're talking about an NFC versus AFC game. And one year, the entire NFC gets the extra home game. Mm -hmm. And the next year, the entire AFC gets the extra home game. So those are the kind of things that we're thinking about. Is it set in stone yet? Have we made a decision? We have not. But I think we're looking at, hopefully, a standings-based inter-conference game and entire conferences pick up the extra home game in their entirety. So one year, the entire NFC will play nine home and eight road. The next year, the entire AFC will play nine home and eight road. And whichever teams play nine home games in the regular season, I assume at that point we're down to three preseason weeks. So the teams with nine regular season home will play one preseason home and two road. So everybody still plays 10 home and 10 road total. That's where I think we're heading. Are we too far away from being able to, and will we ever get to a point of having one neutral site game for every team? Um, that's a fair question. Uh, I, I think, you know, from the schedule, wearing my scheduling hat, mm-hmm. it's really challenging right. to build these London and Mexico games in now. And there's five of them to get to 16 of them somehow. Mm-hmm. Just sounds like such a daunting mathematical nightmare that, you know, the scheduling side of me dreads it. The fan side of me Sounds fun. (laughs) You know, every week you got an international game and maybe we expand beyond London. And, you know, there's still some NFL ready stadiums available in Germany and Canada. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, hey, maybe these neutral site, quote unquote, games don't necessarily all have to be international venues. You know, how cool would it be to play a Detroit Lions game in the big house or an Eagles game at Happy Valley or you know, take advantage of some of those stadiums. Uh, I, I I could see all of that being part of the conversation moving forward. I don't know if we're going to be ready in 2021 to say, you know, everybody's playing eight home and eight road and one neutral, but that's certainly a conversation. If I worked for the international department of the national football <laughs> league, that's certainly the drum I'd be banging on, but I'm not sure we're there logistically And then you really have to start thinking about things like, you know, when you go over to London, more often than not, you get your bye week the week after. Well, if we're going to play 16 of these international games, we're going to be playing, you know, London games in December. And then teams are going to come home to like a week 15 or a week 16 bye. Can't do that. I'm not sure that's practical. So, you know, the answer to your question is, are we thinking about it? Is it possible? Sure. Is it practical? Is it likely? I don't know yet, but again, depends on which hat I'm wearing. The scheduler, the scheduler in me dreads the notion of, you know, trying to find a way to play a London or a Germany or a Brazil or a Canada game or a Mexico game every week of the season. The fan in me thinks it sounds pretty cool. What, what's the worst part about when the schedule comes out, you know, when people get mad and stuff, do you, do you, do you just expect it or do you, do you kind of dread it when teams are obviously calling you and complaining and basically no, do, no. do all teams do that? Yeah. Look, it comes with the territory. Um, you know, you, you know, full well that this is a zero sum game, right? Anything mm-hmm. that's good for the bills by definition is bad for the Jets, Dolphins and Patriots. Right. So we know darn well, you know, nobody's going to be all the way happy with their schedule. That, that, that's fine. That part's okay. What do we dread? We dread the unexpected. We dread the 
thing that a team is really disappointed in that we didn't see coming. And on the one hand, you know, it's a two-way street. It's communication. They've got to tell us, if your priority this year, gentlemen, was whatever we do, we can't play, you know, the Chargers on a Thursday, that's the kind of thing that would have been helpful to know in February before we built the schedule. But if that's the one thing that you guys are really mad at, okay, we'll take that one. But if it's something that, hey, that they're right, we missed it. They're pissed and they've got every right to be, and we missed it. That's what I dread. Thankfully, that doesn't happen too much anymore. Um, this notion of, you know, scheduling geek, if you will, like we all are, there's a lot of us out there. And, you know, A, we all talk to each other. You know, I talk to the schedulers at baseball and soccer and basketball all the time. We're all trying to get better. We're all trying to do the right things here. And also, to a lesser extent, I know we're not supposed to read the Internet comments, but I read what people say about the schedule. And most of it is just bluster, but some of it's legit. And if there's something that we can learn, you know, the things we get back from the teams when they complain, you know, a lot of it is, okay, I get it, you're disappointed. But some of it is really poignant. You know, like you said, if this is too many years in a row that we've had to play the same team coming off their bye week, or, you know, this is three years in a row where they've played on a Thursday night before they came to our building, you know, things like that, we only want to get better, we only want to learn. And so on the one hand, yeah, everybody's disappointed when their schedule comes out. But on the other hand, there's lessons to be learned in all of that. And some of it might just be on them, you know, understanding that, hey, looking around the league, everybody's disappointed. We've got no real right to complain. We should be pretty lucky. Let's hope we take advantage of this and go 10 and 6 this year. Some of it's on us. You know, when a team comes back to us and says, look, we're not going to say anything publicly because, you know, we're not going to give anybody, anybody any excuses here. But this right here, you guys shouldn't do this again. And here's why. And the more people we can talk to, whether they're coaches, current or former coaches, or GMs, or anybody in a front office position, you know, we try to be very transparent. Howard Katz is very amenable to these conversations. He's very approachable. And, you know, he carries a stack of index cards in his breast pocket when he goes to league meetings, and he writes everything down. And then we come back and we talk about it, and what can we learn from this, and how can we get better? And at the end of the day, Knowing full well everybody's going to be disappointed, that's sort of your default position. There's nobody out there that should be really, really disappointed in us. And if so, and we missed it, that's on us, and we should be trying to get better every year. Yeah, the Bills have four West Coast trips this coming year. It's it's kind of the w- wacky the way the rotation uh, worked, where they got the AFC West and the NFC West in the same year, home and away. Yep, every 12, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, so... I, I would imagine it would be something you'd try to avoid them maybe going out West three times in a row or something like that. Well, see, that's an interesting question, right? Because the Bills have it, so too do the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Patriots. Okay, right. So each of those four teams come to the league office and say, hey, given our four West Coast trips this year, here's how we'd like to handle them. And one team might say, whatever you do, spread them out as far as you can. We'll play one a month, September, October, November, December, spread them out, no problem. Another team might come to us and say, hey, we've got all these West Coast trips, whatever you do, can you try to pair a couple of them up for us? You know, there's a lot of teams, you know, when they're playing the NFC West and the AFC West, it means they may well end up playing road games at the Rams and at the Chargers. Well, you could certainly make an argument for a team asking to go out to the West Coast, play the Rams and Chargers in consecutive weekends, and stay in California and find a place to practice. Maybe talk to USC or UCLA or something like that. Find a spot and just stay out there and save the wear and tear on the body 
of having to make those multiple cross-country trips versus another coach saying, hey, we're not doing that. We're not getting out of our routine. We'll go, we'll play our game on the West Coast, and then we'll fly home, and then we'll get ready to play the next week. And, you know, the truth of the matter is almost every team in the league and almost every coach in the league, they don't complain about the schedule. There's always something that they're going to be disappointed in, but but they don't complain. You right. tell us when to show up, and we'll be there, <laughs> and we'll be ready to play. You know, nobody wants to go into a season saying, how could they have done this to us? We can't win. You'd never give your roster that excuse. You would never want people to think that you think you can't win. And what happens to us a lot, and this is interesting, Sal, when the club calls and complains, we write it down, and we make a note of it, and then we go watch and see what happens by the time you get to it in October and November. And, man, I'm telling you, more often than not, that which the team thought was so unfair, they ended up winning that game. Or that stretch of games where they thought, how could you do this to us? We can't compete. They ended up going 4-2. and two. Or they said, how can you make us play that team that week? And then by the time you get to that game, you're on a roll and their quarterback is hurt. You know, it's impossible to judge these schedules in April or May when they come out. You can't really judge them until December and January when they've finished and you look back and the club that complained the loudest and thought that they were treated so unfairly back in April is the club that went 10 and six and won their division. That's amazing. And then uh, finally, Mike, just on you, how did, how did you get this job? How did you become the schedule guy for the NFL? Oh man, I'm unbelievably lucky. Um, I was uh, I was a computer science major at Washington University in St. Louis, so I had a computer background, uh, played ball in school, loved sports, only wanted to work in sports. When I graduated, took that computer science degree, put it in a drawer, and wasn't really planning on using it ever again, and instead wrote letters to every professional sports team, every professional sports league, uh, minor league teams. Man, I'd have done anything to get a break and get a job in sports, and I got absolutely nowhere. Um, followed my then girlfriend, now wife to New York city. And she was working in fashion. I bounced around a little bit. I did some desktop publishing. I worked in advertising for a minute. One random Wednesday, I went to a New York Rangers game and I met a total stranger and we got to talking and she said, uh, what do you do? I said, I'm an advertising love to get into sports someday. She said, Oh my God, my aunt just got a job at the NFL. I said, amazing doing what? She said, I don't know, but fax me your resume. And I'll get it to her. Two weeks later, I had the job. Fell right in my lap. Blind, dumb luck. Met a total stranger who passed along a resume to a lady who took a chance on me. This was Ann Kirshner back in the 90s hmm. when the league was just starting to tinker with some of this technology stuff, whether it was Internet or Sunday ticket and satellite television delivery. I got in on the ground floor. Very, very lucky. I uh, was working in the Internet group for a while, playing on the NFL softball team. And the shortstop, Joe Ferreira, said to me, hey, there's an opening in the broadcasting department, and we're looking for a guy with a computer background to help automate the scheduling process. Job kind of found me, and then I've been unbelievably lucky just transitioning from some of the pillars of industry, from Val Pinchbeck to Denny Lewin to Glenn Adamo to Howard Katz to Hans Schroeder to you know these guys who are running the broadcasting department of the NFL. And really, you could argue – driving still, you know, the ecosystem of, of television. You know, when, when we grew up, there were three television channels. Everybody watched the networks. You know, now there's hundreds, thousands, and people are still watching the television networks, but they're only watching for sports. I shouldn't say that. They're mostly watching right. for sports, you know. So 
the fact that, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be a part of a team that gets to set this schedule and, like we said, try to strike that balance between the revenue and the competitive side, while you could argue, you know, kind of keeping the network television ecosystem as we know it kind of alive right now. You know, we're about to do these new media deals here as these television contracts wind down. And right. now that we've got a CBA done, you know, imagine what the world looks like if the NFL decided to take Monday Night Football and put it on Netflix. You know, what happens to network television as we know it without live sports? So it's a fascinating time to be, you know, not just in the industry, but to be in this department and to be watching these discussions take place and certainly to have the responsibility the scheduling team does of ensuring that whatever schedule we put out strikes that right balance between justifying the billions that the networks are paying us while also remembering that, hey, at the end of the day, this is sport, this is competition, and all all 32 of these teams, that first day of training camp, have every opportunity to win the Super Bowl this year. The salary cap and the draft and everything we try to do to bring parity and to bring fairness to the league, we don't want to undo that with the scheduling process. So nobody should look at their schedule and think, holy cow, we can't compete. And nobody should look at that schedule and think, holy cow, this is a cakewalk. We're going to waltz to 14-2 and and win our division. There's no such thing in this league. So as long as the schedule is fair, as long as everybody gets something, not everything, and as long as everybody's equally and hopefully just a little disappointed, we're probably in the right spot. Mike North, VP of Broadcast Planning and Scheduling. This was fascinating. I I kept you a little long. I appreciate it. I'm a schedule geek and love this kind of stuff, and I really appreciate you coming on. And by the way, I think that you really just gave a lot of great teases for Bills fans to be hanging on the edge of their seat for the schedule after what you said about them resonating national TV, primetime possibilities this year. They're they're going to be waiting on that for sure, no doubt. Well, my pleasure. I can go all day on this stuff. And I tell you what, why don't we make a plan to do this again mid-May when the schedule does come out and we'll start to do a post-mortem on what did the Bills get and what does the rest of the league look like. And hopefully we're going to play this thing intact. I think we'll know a lot more in six weeks. Happy to come back on and talk again then. Thank you. I'm totally down for that, Mike. Thank you. You got it, Sal. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.